So in this morning's instructions, we wanted to revisit the general instructions for mindfulness practice, kind of orienting us to where we are after these days of hanging out with all the parts. One of the simplest instructions for practice that I know is one that you can kind of put in your pocket and carry around with you no matter where you go. And it says simply, this is the way it is. That's all. This is the way it is. It's a great instruction because it means that no matter what is happening, you can be mindful of it. And then you're doing the practice. It's very cool. This is the way it is. But that said, there's lots of ways that you can work to be with what is. We began way back at the beginning of the retreat by simply hanging out with the sitting, breathing body. And gradually letting the attention focus more and more on the breath. Some, some of you probably follow the breath at the nostrils. Some of you are more aware of the breath in the chest or the belly. For some of you, it may be the whole body breathing. It's helpful to have a place where you follow the breath a place where it's clear and relatively easy to experience. So this becomes kind of the, sometimes it's called the primary object. Sometimes it's called the anchor. It's the place you can always go back to. As long as you are alive, you are breathing. So the breath is a place to come back to over and over again. When you get lost, when you get confused, or sometimes simply when things are pretty quiet and it's a great place to rest just with the breath. As we do that, one of the first things we see is that it sounds pretty simple, but it's not very easy. And we wander off and we get lost in all kinds of thinking and commenting and daydreaming and planning. And so we'd start learning to come back. And we come back over and over and over again. So you can use the breath, use it at the beginning of a sitting, or sometimes if you're working at getting more calm, more concentrated, spending some time just with the breath is a good way to do it. But clearly this week we haven't just been with the breath. There's all those parts. There's everything else that's going on in the body. 
So sometimes we become very aware of other body sensations. (coughs) It can be itching or heat or throbbing or burning or hearing. Or it might be one of the experiences of the elements that Bob talked about last night. You might be really aware of the solidity of the body, or you might be aware of the fluidity, or you might be aware of the movement in the air. You might be aware of the heat. So when something like that comes in and it's really strong, pushes up against the breath, maybe even makes it almost impossible to be with the breath, simply let let it come into the foreground of your attention and give your attention to that experience. This is a place where naming or noting can be very helpful. And you might just notice, oh, heat, heat, burning and really feel the heat, or itching, or throbbing, or hearing. And be with it while it's really strong. And then if it subsides or is simply less interesting, let it drop back into the background and rest again with the breath. So you begin to see how the breath threads through as the anchor, as the primary object. So today in particular, we've been so much with the body this week. It's really possible that one of the groups of parts will come into your mind. You'll be really aware of your heart or your intestines. That's great. Use that as a way of being mindful of the body. This is the first of the foundations of mindfulness. You'll probably begin to notice also that sometimes your experience is really pleasant, delicious even. Sometimes it's really unpleasant and you'd really like to get rid of it. And sometimes it's kind of neither, just a little bit neutral. That's an interesting thing to begin to notice. You might notice it right now. Maybe you wish I would be quiet and it's unpleasant. And notice how the mind can attach to that and start thinking, oh, she'd only stop talking. I'd rather be on a retreat that was totally silent. Even the teachers don't talk. Or maybe your experience is being delicious. You're so happy to be here, sitting in this hall. It's really yummy. Your body feels pretty good. The breath is sweet. And you start thinking about that two-month retreat next winter that maybe you could do. And you go off in desire. So you begin to see how this, ple- this pleasant, unpleasant, or neither place is really <coughs> sticky. And it's the place where the mind can go off in a story. When our experience is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, then we can get spacey. And we drift off because there isn't anything. 
And neither is a very interesting place to learn to rest, not caught by either desire or aversion. And by now, in this retreat, many of you have discovered that there can also be very strong states of the mind and the heart that arise as you practice. It might be a state of grief and sadness, could be a state of great desire, it can be delight and joy, it can be fear or anger, can be about things that are current or old material that is suddenly there. This does not have to be a problem. This is one more thing to be mindful of. The states of the mind and heart, the flavor of your awareness, is the third of the foundations of mindfulness. So when something like that comes, and again pushes into the foreground of your awareness, you can give your attention to that experience. Anger is like this. Feel it in your body. What does anger feel like in your body? What does grief feel like? What does joy feel like? Sometimes you can bring the breath to that experience, breathing into the anger or the joy or the grief. Sometimes you notice, oh, this experience, I'm having this fear or this anger. There's all these stories that are attached to it. And it gets all tangled up. The body feeling of anger, the stories. It's like a ball of red and white threads. And we perceive it as pink. We say, oh, it's anger. But it's not so simple as that. And then... When that state again subsides or is simply less interesting or changes into something else, then we can either go back to the breath or move on to what's strong in the next moment. So at this point in your practice, it's a little like watching a train go by where you go, oh, the breath, there's the breath, and then another breath. Oh, hearing, hearing. And then maybe the mind drifts off, thinking about the sound. You wake up, you're glad you're awake. You come back, start with the breath again. And then maybe some irritation arises or some judgment. I'm a bad meditator. Oh, you can name that, judging, judging. Go back to the breath. One moment after another being present with what is, being present with the way it is. The breath is like this. Sound is like this. Sadness is like this. Anger is like this. 
the breath again. Oh, that's delicious. Noticing that it's delicious. Itching is like this. It's unpleasant. Can I stay with it just as it is unpleasant? There are no distractions. It's just something else to be mindful of. Let yourself relax into the present moment, noticing the way it is. Let it be even a little bit playful. One moment at a time. This is the way it is.
notice what is happening in this moment and name that. And in this moment and name that. And in this moment and name that. If you've wandered off and gotten lost, come back, relax into the breath, and begin again, one moment at a time.
So today is our last full day of practice. And if I had one thing to say to you, it might be don't leave the retreat before you leave the retreat. (laughs) Which means you can let today be an entire week of practice. Forget about tomorrow. You'll get there. But just be here and really relax into the instructions, relax into the awareness of the body, all those parts, head, hair, body, hair, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinew, bone, bone marrow, kidney, etc. <laughs> or maybe the awareness of solidity and fluidity and movement and heat, or simply moment-to-moment awareness primarily remembering to come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. That's the big training, is to come back into the present moment, whatever that present moment is. You don't get to order up your particular present moment. It just is what it is. There's a lovely um, poem by Garrison Keillor that says, Garrison, is it Garrison? Anyway, whatever what is, is, Galway Canal. Whatever what is, is. Whatever. Oh, now I've lost it. Uh, whatever what is, is, is what I want. Only that, but that. So, whatever what is, is, is what I want. So, so questions about the instructions or questions for Bob about his talk? Um, Please. Thank you for such a beautiful talk last night. Um, I wanted to, uh, it's been going around in my mind what I've heard about <clears throat> those I'm not sure if I can repeat that <laughs> for the recording, and um, maybe you could help me by um, 
maybe saying a little bit more about um, what you're not understanding. I think I get it if, if that's all. Yeah, just, we'll see what she says. I think the question comes from a state of confusion between, or, or my mind trying to reconcile. Okay, there is I think I'll speak from experience. I, I came from a dysfunctional home, and then I've tried through life to fulfill those gaps with things from the outside. And uh, some narcissistic traits developed. And uh, at some point when I started my spiritual practice, I noticed, oh, okay, narcissism. But then at the same time, I want wholeness too. So isn't those narcissistic traits were maybe on a skillful way of, of trying to find wholeness mm. until I could find a, yeah. a, a skillful way to find wholeness? I don't know how else to yeah. ask for it. Yeah. That, that, and maybe my question is not well formulated. I'm still trying to, to find my way through those two concepts because, yes, after dysfunction, there or with family dysfunction comes in a skillful way of trying to complete yourself. Um, but then also there is a genuine desire for that fulfillment, which is the wholeness part of it. Yeah. Uh, so it feels like you, you are already aware of that desperation to find wholeness outside of yourself, and with that awareness you're knowing now to move into yourself and into your heart. So you're really, um, no confusion there. That feels very clear. And, um, you know, our practice is to see where we get caught, where we're stuck, where we're pushing away, and um, and coming back again in, into our own heart. So, um, you know, we can't bypass this personality. You know how you know we were forming and developing. You know some theories even say in in the in the womb, and but anyways we've developed our personality, and and this is what we have, and the practice of of awareness of mindfulness is, um, you know one aspect is to really begin to investigate this mind and this body and to begin to see the limited definitions of the way that I see three things through lenses and distortions and um, the powerful recognition to recognize that I've been looking outside of myself for love, looking for love in all the wrong places, if you will, and beginning to recognize that it's in here. So, you know, again, I think... Uh, the the Buddha is experiencing the unconditioned is implying that broke through all of the conditioning, and and that's and it wasn't that the, the conditioning is there that cannot be denied. Cannot be denied, but rather than but we're, we're beginning to embrace it and to work with it and to understand it and to perhaps see um, through it. But we can't deny our past. Please. You know, when you're little and you're in a family that 
is dysfunctional. I guess that's probably just about every family there ever was. You do what you can, right, to survive. And I've always been astounded in my years of being a therapist and now teaching at how amazingly, astoundingly inventive children are. And so they find ways to stay afloat in a family. And it may be some piece of narcissism. It may be something like dissociating. It might be imaginary friends. Lots of people have imaginary friends. And it really works when you're little. It's great. It doesn't work so well when you're 35 trying to hold down a job and have a relationship. And, and as we ripen as we mature and develop in our practices and in our lives, that's some of the work to be done is to see those places where we've done things that maybe aren't so skillful now, but they were skillful then. And very important to kind of bow to those children and say, thank you, you were so smart. You were so smart, you figured it out. That's how you didn't go under so to really have great compassion, I think, for the children who create those traits that now you're here trying to unknot and smooth out and find somewhat better ways to, to live in the adult world. So I'm glad you did those things because here you are. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, we got another question just want to add one other short thing is that in that recognition Mary Grace is talking about, like looking back, you know, may there, well, I think a deep part of our practice is reconciliation or forgiveness or making amends or making peace with this past and it's all been a part of what brought us here. How could we have known anything different at that point? So that practice of the heart is so important. But. Mm-hmm. How do I know? My tendency is to um, have a story around that pain. What I should have done, what I shouldn't have done, what I should do, what I shouldn't do uh, to relieve that pain. Um, and how do I know when I'm getting into the story and not the pain? And maybe the it's an interesting question because probably everybody in this room has some kind of pain that comes and sometimes it's very compelling and sometimes it's very consistent so the most important thing to remember is alright there's the pain and to let yourself be mindful of the pain some at the beginning anyway and being aware of it maybe going into it so you kind of take it apart a little bit, there's needles, and then there's burning, and then there's pulling, and then there's throbbing. And maybe the story kicks in. So important to see the story. The mind will come in, and it will start going, oh God, it's probably a tumor, and maybe I'm going to have to have surgery, and should I see the doctor right now, and all of those things that come. So you see the story, you come back to the pain. At some point, Obviously, we have to make skillful decisions about what's happening in our bodies. 
My doctor friend over here would agree with that, I suspect. And um, either find a way to sit or to be so that the pain is relieved, or actually do tend to it in some way that massage, whatever needs to be done. And so you, you act skillfully. We're not saying, I don't, I'm not sure you're even asking this, we're not saying, you know, just be with it for forever and suffer because there is that kind of pain in the body and we do need to do skillful things around it. I remember years ago I was at a long retreat and one afternoon I had a really bad headache and, you know, I was going to be with the pain by God and, you know, I was with the pain and then I finally went to see my teacher, I think it was Joseph Goldstein, and he said, why don't you take an ibuprofen? So there are times when that's the answer. So it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's really what we're teaching you is a kind of an art form. You know, and, and it's not that one answer is always the right answer. The one thing to be, import, to be aware of when you have strong body sensations is before you do anything about them, be mindful of them. Because there may come a time when you won't be able to do anything. You'll be on the gurney or lying on the ground or whatever it is that's just happened. There will be very strong sensations in your body. And learning how to be able to be present with them and be there with them. And Because sometimes when we go into a pain, what happens? It gets interesting, doesn't it? It can get really interesting. And then that unpleasantness at least lessens if it doesn't disappear. So it's something to really work with um, because at some point, every one of us will probably experience really difficult pain that we can't get out of. Maybe, no, we don't have time for one more. Um, Christiane has something she wanted to add and then we just want to touch briefly on the schedule. Yeah, one thing, just a correction from something that I said yesterday about the serial killer Angulimala. He actually did not, he got hit with sticks and he got stoned by people whose relatives he had killed, but he get not killed. So he didn't get stoned to death. And he went back to the Buddha and the Buddha just said, you have to bear that. And so he did. So he did bear it with his body, but his mind was calm because he had reached enlightenment before that. So, thank you. We were actually talking in the teacher room. There's some lovely stories about Angulimala who actually became sort of the patron saint of women giving childbirth. It's a nice, also, (laughs) addition to, to his story. Um, so today, we are not breaking silence today. So you have a really, a, you do have a full day of retreat. The schedule changes slightly this afternoon in that um, we have the sitting at 2.15, Qigong at 3 o'clock, and then at the end of the Qigong, so if you're here, that will be great because you'll just be here, but if you're not in the Qigong, come back here at 3.45 We're going to have a meeting. The managers will be there. It's just to go over some of the closing um, things that need to be done in order for us all to 
leave this place in a way that's skillful. Um, so that will happen at 3.45, and then it will segue into a period of sitting um, just before dinner at 5.30. Um, then the evening schedule is exactly the same as it has been. So enjoy this wonderful last week of practice and really um, relax into the silence and into your bodies and kind of feel the fruit of all the work that you've done. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.